Hello and welcome to another episode of Sim Sundays. This is another audio-only version of the podcast and I'm delighted to be joined by Robin Bondon, who is not only a sim racer and esports pro, but is also the sports director for Race Clutch. Welcome to the show, Robin. Thank you for the warm welcome. <laughs> I'm, not long, I'm not longer an esports driver now, but yeah, I'm doing myself in uh, the management side now. <laughs> Yeah, I saw, I saw. I've been going through the Race Clutch uh, website and looking at all the different roles on there. Um, and I noticed that you're still racing, racing at the moment. I mean, it's kind of like, no, I'm not, I'm not racing anymore at all because I have a, like an injury. Let's say I, I made the worst injury in the sim racing world because I have something on my thumb. Uh, and oh, basically no. it's just hurting me. Yeah, well, I'm not, I cannot drive for a long <laughs> hour now. So my, I guess my car is over now. So, <laughs> oh, so your, your position on the website is like an honorary, honorary driver, yeah, pilot, let, pilot of race clutch. Let's say I'm part of the Hall of Fame then, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Well, I was going to, I was going to ask about that and, I, and I'm diving far too deep straight away into this conversation because like every guest that we've had so far, what I do is, you know, we invite the guests on and if they accept, I then do a load of research and then I get super interested in, in what you're doing and the, the, like the organization that you're, that you're a part of and then also your journey to get there. Um, and one of the things that had stood out to me was the fact that not only were you managing your team, but you were also a driver, but it sounds like, sadly, your thumb injury <laughs> means that you're no longer yeah. able to, to do both. Although I think it's probably safe to say that you're the first person I've spoken to. The first sim racer I've spoken to has had to retire due to injury. I don't think that's yeah, like I, a... I mean, but we, we, people need to be careful because for some drivers, they're just driving and enjoying their life for sure. But I think the the risk of the injury for a sim racer is real. Like, and yeah, um, yeah people are not thinking about that at all. Uh, but because they are driving for like, let's say four or five years, it's not a lot. But imagine in maybe five more years, it's going to be like 10 years that you're driving behind the sim. If you're not taking care of your health and your body, then be careful with your term then. <laughs> <laughs> that's, uh, yeah, I mean, that's a good point. Like, because whenever people kind of make the distinction between sim racing and real racing, they'll be like, oh, it's cheaper, you know, because and to, to race. And if you crash, there's no massive expense. And obviously it's, it's less dangerous. You're not allowed to get injured. But now we can say, well... You're not guaranteed not to get injured because there's this guy Robin, right? And he was <laughs> yeah, <an> exactly. Pro. <laughs> but the thing is just the repetition, the repetition of the movement because basically in a car, yeah, you are driving, but they are driving less than behind the simulator. I mean, inside the simulator because mm. you are just racing, uh, let's say seven hours a day when you are professional. So that's mean five days per week. So yeah, it's a, it's a lot at the end compared to a real pro driver who is driving maybe just on the weekend and a bit in the simulator. Right. And I mean, the forces that you're actually acting with are, are quite strong as well. And in some cases, probably stronger than in the real cars. I know sim racers are, are often guilty of turning up those Newton meters as high as they can possibly get it to a point where it's actually no longer realistic. But I mean, it depends like... It's depend of the feeling of the guy who is driving, obviously. I, I know that for me, I was not liking a lot of force in my wheel, but there is some people who are a little bit crazy, or maybe they have like massive arms and <laughs> then they can use a lot of force on the wheel. But usually I think we can replicate a bit what is happening in real with all the soft that we have and the, the hardware that we have right now. Uh, it was more difficult in the past, but now I think it's doable. But it depends of the feeling of people and again the repetition if you have like big force feedback and you are driving like full day and five days per week might be a bit tired tiring i 
Right. And, and that's becoming more and more common, right? So I've spoken to a few people now. So uh, Danny Gusa and Nathan Tague, both esports um, team managers. And, you know, we've, we've spoken at length about kind of the routines that they put their teams through. So that would be Kavana and G2, Veloce, et cetera. And they are training hours and hours and hours every single day. So I suppose it's a real, it's a kind of a, it's a hazard, right? A hazard of the trade that you wouldn't, you wouldn't think esports and then think risk to injury. But yeah, I mean, like it's, well, for me first, it's like disappointing because I love driving, obviously. And mm -hmm. I think it's also like uh, a good thing to being a, managing, a manager and driving as well. Because to help the guys to develop their setup, to maybe give um, a way of working, to manage at the end the, the, the drivers, then you need to know the game. And you can know the game, not obviously for only seeing people driving. You know the game if you are driving, and you can know all the little stuff that mm -hmm. drivers are missing because they're still focused on their pace and that's all. Uh, we'll reach the little things that I can find on every games that I'm managing. <laughs> I mean, that makes total sense. I mean, you see a lot of like team principals in real world motorsport who were once drivers, maybe not in the same discipline or the same formula, but they were drivers. So they kind of get the driver mentality yeah. a bit in the same way that, you know, a lot of good football managers were once footballers themselves. It kind of makes perfect sense. However, I've dived well, well too deep into the subject of <laughs> sim racing injuries, which is not where I thought I would start this <laughs> podcast. I want to know a little bit about your journey, right? So I was looking at the story of Race Clutch um, and how that started. And I was reading, you've got a really nice story actually on the website and you kind of go through year by year. I think it's 2013, then 16, yep. and then you've got the road to 2020. And then you've got codename 4756, which I have questions about. What the hell does that oh mean? Oh my God. Yeah, well, we'll get into that. But I want to know what you were doing Bef right before you started working with race clutch how did how did you know race clutch how did this happen but for me like um so first in my personal life i was doing some uh it stuff like because i was doing uh, studies in the cyber security and uh, as you said i was driving so i was looking for a team um, i was uh, the teammate of uh, Johan art like who is now an experienced sim racer in uh, apex racing team and um, and we were looking for a team uh, then we found Race Clutch in 2017, I believe, for our Factor 2. Um, after a couple of meetings, uh, I was not that bad, to be honest. Like, <laughs> I don't <laughs> want to put me in a, in a position of being arrogant or anything, but uh, I wasn't that bad. And yeah, I just found Race Clutch. Um, and so I just started the journey from there, from there as a driver. And that was and with Le Mans? Uh, I think it was, yeah, it was with the Endurance. It was with the Virtual Endurance Championship uh, mm. on Air Factor 2, which is probably the best and the most popular championship of in Air Factor 2. So. But, but yeah, I mean, on the, on the next and the following step, um, I just made myself. I switched from Air Factor 2 to high racing. Um, and then in 2020, I just finished my... Uh, it was, it, was it 2020? Yeah, it was 2020. Um, <laughs> already two years, so... But uh, yeah, I just finished my cybersecurity studies. Um, I had already something planned for the year following, uh, still on cybersecurity, and then Richard, who was my manager, so Richard is the CEO of Racecoach, but he was then my manager on the iRacing side. Um, he told me, okay, I have something, I'm trusting you, like it's nowhere, I know you for four years now, um, and I'm proposing you like to being part of a project, um, and yeah, just jump, I hesitated a bit because I'm not living normally in the city that where we are now, so I left my parents, my girlfriend, my friend, 
it was like a big um, a big gamble for me uh, but i think uh, at the moment i think i made the right choice so i'm pretty happy about that <laughs> Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I mean, 2020 was an interesting time for sim racing, right? Because COVID was kicking off. And so sim racing was experiencing a bit of a boom. Were you approached before that COVID induced boom or after? Uh, just after it was just in June, I believe, because um, so as you were explaining, we start uh, race clutch in um, it was a real championship at the, uh, in the past, but it was 2013. Uh, but in 2020, uh, Richard lo launched the company itself, not an association. Um, and then I think it was in April, they, yeah, first April of 2020. And then in June, uh, he contacted me to, jam to ju just jump into the project and help him on all the tasks that we can have on the esports side and everything. Nice. So you're, at the moment, your role on the website is sports director. D did it start off as sports director or has it grown into that? I mean... No, it's kind of it's kind of the same as a sport director. But you know, as we're starting a company, we're doing a lot of things, <laughs> maybe more than right. esports. Yeah, yeah. Uh, because we have also the YouTube channel, so I'm doing videos. But I also managing project with, uh, but the Alpine Sports Series, for example, uh, because I think we're going to talk about that a bit later. But uh, we're partner with uh, Alpine, and uh, yeah, I'm doing a lot of stuff. But my main role is still like managing the esports. Nice. Which as a I don't, it sounds harsh to say ex-driver, right? But as a former pro-level esports driver, managing the team, was that the main motivation for saying yes to race clutch? Was that the thing that motivated you to come across and start working full-time in sim racing? Yeah, I mean, because at the beginning, when Richard proposed to me to join him, I wasn't injured. <laughs> I was right. still driving. Uh, but I know that uh, I wasn't at the really high level at this point at this moment so i was like there is an opportunity like i'm doing cyber security i like it but it's not my passion i can probably live from my passion um obviously it's the motorsport but it's also the sim racing because i just started sim racing maybe when i was six or seven years old so it's like i was wow. really young and yeah it's just my, my my passion for all and yeah for me the main goal was like okay you can do your job and you can get money you can live from that so yeah, I mean, for it was like obvious for me at the end. So take us back even further then when you were six years old, what were you racing? I was racing A Factor 1. Uh, oh, because, okay. Yeah, because um, to come back in the past as well, like uh, it's my uncle who gave, gave me this passion of sim racing. Uh, I was already interested by motorsport, Formula 1 especially, because like, I loved Michael Schumacher, all the, the story that he made. Uh, and then I was like, I want to be a driver. You know, it's like it seems like a, um, um, a dream for a kid, but for me, I was like, no, I need, I want to do, I want to work in this, um, in this environment. Uh, but everyone knows that karting formula. You know, it's like a lot of money. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. the solution was obviously like the sim racing, just buying a wheel, like it's costing, of course, 400 euros or something. Like I was using the Logitech G27. Nice. <laughs> and classic. just started. So. so did you ever give the karting a go or did it, did you very quickly realize that's not going to be a, a long-term opportunity? So stick with the sim racing. I, I didn't do like a professional competition in karting. I was just doing that as a hobby, I would say. Um, but I have my um, my dad who is working in a factory and they were doing a lot of um, karting event with the factory. And there was like some 
good driver, old driver, you know, like gentleman driver, but they were just regional champion or some kind of stuff. And uh, I was in the f in the pace with them, so I was like, mm, maybe that's something doable in the future. But yeah, with I saw directly that the cost of trying to be a professional driver is so expensive and just like and I I was liking a lot the sim racing because you are in your home you are good you don't have like a, if it's raining or anything <laughs> I have my comfort you know <laughs> I'm yeah, like yeah. a princess I I need my comfort but I, I was trying to perform as well and yeah it was a uh, was really good to enjoy so I think sim racing has boomed so much that which means that there are a lot of new sim racers new sim racers probably won't have tried R Factor. Now I've seen a lot of R Factor because we had a lot of R Factor leagues join Gridfinder when I first started it, and I used to watch a lot of the streams. For the people listening, what was what what? Tell us your memories of R Factor and how it's different to, you know, the Sims nowadays. I mean, difficult to say, but I think like R Factor was the probably the uh, the biggest one at the, in the past. Uh, it seems like it was. Because at the end, the teams, the real team, are using AirFactor Pro, which is like the basis of AirFactor 1 with maybe advanced tools and parameters and everything. But at the end, I was like, okay, I'm almost using the tools that people are using uh, in real life. So I'm kind of like connected with them. But um, compared to now, there is like, I cannot say it's a huge difference, to be honest, between AirFactor and AirFactor 2, for example. Um, Maybe the main thing that has changed is the graphic side, yeah. because obviously we're not running the same engine and everything. But uh, still, Factor 2 has some difficulty with the graphic side still. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and that's a shame. But uh. I was going to say because R Factor actually has quite a, a loyal following. So R Factor One, I'm talking about now. So there's some communities on Gridfinder that are still racing R Factor and are choosing not to upgrade to R Factor Two. Now, when you watch their streams they look old like that you know the cars look yeah it, it looks like an old game is what i'm saying um and yet they still drive it because the physics apparently because i have to admit i haven't driven much r factor i, I tried it a little bit because i wanted to get an understanding for why people are, are kind of clinging onto it but the physics are very similar so for back then you know it was well ahead of its time right yeah and and i mean as well it's like uh, r factor Two graphics are not that even better, like a lot, I mean. Mm -hmm. um, and, and the thing is that why we would change the game, I mean, changing and playing another game when the old one is doing the job? Because we need to know that Air Factor, Air Factor 2, maybe Assetto Corsa is also the same model, I would say, yeah. that they are living thanks to the community. Because yes. their game is open and everyone can make a mod, a track, something. And it, it's so cool because you have so much different content. Uh, created by the community so definitely yeah. something really good that, i mean that 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 still baffles me now and last week well last week today but by the time this episode goes out it'll be a few weeks ago we had aris um on the podcast aris from from kunos who, who does all the vehicle dynamics and physics uh for assetto corsa and i was asking him the same thing i was like you know assetto corsa seems to have had a very long lifespan and, and a really kind of steady number of users like why do you think that is is it, is it all about the mods and the community and he was like yeah basically you know we've, they put down such a solid kind of base level of, of physics and graphics and allowed it to be open so that modders can can recreate new experiences within that same game like the community is is not just keeping it alive but 
making it even better, right? And, and I, that comes with yeah. caveats, right? Because not all mods are made mm. equally. Um, but there's so many mods and, and, and organizations which, which create mods. The, so RSS, for example, Race Sim Studio is one of my yeah, favorites yeah. that do all the Formula cars. Like the leagues that race them, you know, they recreate whole Formula One seasons based on these cars. And the, you look at the production value, you look at the, you know, the, the electronics in the car, and it's just absolutely mind-blowing, the details that they go to. And I think that is something quite unique about sim racing is that you find these groups of incredibly intensely passionate yeah. people. Yeah, definitely, because like, and you're talking about Harris's on uh, uh, who are doing the, the Formula One, because I, I drove a bit like in the little championship um, in the, um, the Red Bull from 2013, I believe. It was like a little production, you know, but there is all the sound of the engine, mm -hmm. the physics and everything looks great. And you are looking to the production. Okay, it's doing maybe 15, 20 viewers. It's not like a huge production, but it's look real. Yeah. Like it's, it's crazy. And something also that we, uh, we learned like in the past few weeks, there is a, you, do you know Richard Byrne Rally? Yes. It's an old game. Okay, yes. great. So it's definitely an old game. It's, I think it's 20, uh, 2004, I think, a game. And there is a massive Hungarian community who created, like, uh, I think it's Sim Racing, f uh, no, Rally Fan or something. Sorry for the name if I'm misconfused. <laughs> uh, but there is like 100 gigabyte of mod when the game is doing wow. like 8 gigabyte. That's crazy. And the thing is that the physics are ev so realistic that WR WRC rear driver are using this game to practice. Because we had the chance to have um, Adrien Fourmeau, who is a WRC driver, who has, we had the chance to have him in our office to test and to see how our office look. And he tried the game and he was like, okay, so realistic. Like, it was already like, you know, trying to drive and he was like, like if he was in this car. So that was crazy for him and also for us, like, because it's not um, a studio who developed the, this mode. It's the community again. So they are doing just on their free time. And it's it's not even, we are not buying it. It's free. So that's, yeah. that's crazy for me. I, I, I love it. It's honestly one of my favorite things about sim racing. So um, uh, we had Jake, aka GP Laps, um, on the show. And he specializes, is a streamer, and he specializes in historic racing. And his communities not only recreate the cars, but actually the tracks. So last Sunday on our YouTube channel, we raced around Watkins Glen, except it wasn't an official version of Watkins Glen. It was a 60s version. So it had a different track layout, different Whoa. stands, and it had like hay bales around the track rather than any kind of barrier. And then the barriers I got quite familiar with because the, the car we were driving, the Lotus Type 25, was an absolute handful. Um, so I ended up getting a really good look at the... Um, <laughs> the crowd as uh, so I was like into the barrier every 10 minutes and all of the all of the people in the crowd had these old like 60s overcoats or the women were wearing like 60s oh, style dresses and I was at the attention to detail in this yeah, mod definitely. is incredible and you know how much it cost nothing oh uh, yeah free. that's totally free you know somebody who was super enthusiastic just built it must have spent hours and hours and hours on it getting all the textures right and the way that the you know the track it, the camber works and how the grip builds up across the track and then just said here you go fellow sim racers have fun yeah that's the point they are spending a lot of time and they're not making any business at all just take it enjoy it and that's all <laughs> yeah 
I love it. Okay, so tell us tell us about your evolution through The Sims then. So you started with R Factor, um, and now I noticed that Race Clutch actually has quite a lot. So I like that you call the, um, on the website, you call them your racing stables, which I like is kind of a, a nod to the Scuderia style, right? The Tifosi, like horses in the stable, and you have uh, Formula One, WRC, um, Gran Turismo, iRacing, and Le Mans, presumably R Factor 2. So you've got a lot of teams. Now, that's a lot of sims. Have you, have you raced them all competitively yourself? Myself or the team? No, you you personally. You, my, my, okay. Um, I mean, I raced so Air Factor 1, but it was kind of like amateur, I would say. Like, it was, yeah, just personal championship. Um, and after I made some, I think it was from F1 2014. Yeah, to F1 2014, I started to do some competition on this game. Uh, with Johan Art as well. We started uh, meet him on 2014. And then after still like two or three years, and then I switched to R Factor 2 with some good competition. Uh, it was like F1 competition. Uh, and then in 2017, uh, when, no, I think in 2016, yeah, I do I did the um, race, department, race Department Le Mans Series. So it was like an endurance championship. It was my first time as an endurance driver. And I discovered something. Uh, because I was like a huge fan of F1, but that's that was pretty old to be honest. And then I just discovered the endurance world, and it's something apart to be honest, something really enjoyable. I think like before discovering endurance, my dream was to maybe one time, one one time in my life, you know, to drive an F1 car, even if it's like a, a little experience on a track for four laps, yeah. that's fine. And I do think that once I discovered the endurance world. I think my dream is just change, and I think my dream is not to drive an a, Formu a Formula One car; is to drive maybe a prototype car because that looks definitely way better for me. It's it's bigger. There is sorry for F1 fun, but there is <laughs> more sound <laughs> in the in this kind of car. And yeah, I think my dream change on that endurance. It's so cool on that side. Yeah, I think endurance racing and sim racing has been pretty significant in the growth because I think the endurance racing allows sim racing to become a team sport which i think is really important so previously you you know you do sprint races or you might do a long race but an endurance race if it's just one person is going to be like 90 minutes maybe two hours some crazy people will do a three-hour stint themselves but that that's a long time racing and concentrating in the car whereas all of these platforms which allow driver swaps means that you can now have teams driving and the great thing about these teams is often they've never met each other they're probably living in different countries in different time zones and they'll be you know coordinating their setups to make sure it works for two people and then they'll be looking at their strategy and then while one's driving the other one's looking at the race and saying oh look well this has happened maybe there's a safety car coming for a pit i'll swap over and it's, it's just i think it's really kind of elevated sim racing yeah. into this kind of team team sport and it's a step closer to the kind of you know league of legends rocket leagues world of esports where you kind of get behind a team rather than individuals yeah i think it's just giving a, a structure to the to the esport and to the team because uh, yeah you were mentioning that we were doing sprint race of course i was for example with the, the factor to sprint race that i was doing in formula one we were practicing but at the end i was managing my side myself uh during the race like uh, my teammate was doing his strategy i was doing my strategy and we see at the end and when we're doing the endurance then no it's like a long race so we need to anticipate uh, and we need to structure everything uh, we need to be perfect because we there is little time to react uh, and 
if you are doing something wrong, then it not, it's not affect, affecting only you. It's affect also the team. Uh, so that means you really need to work together. Um, and then I think it's helped a lot because now you have this kind of management and team, but for sprint race now, because the driver is not alone. You have people behind him trying to help him on the setup, but also on the strategy. And then he can only focus on driving and that's all. So how involved do you get then with the strategy at Race Clutch? So you've got a lot of teams and you're the sports director. So at any given race, are you pretty hands-on with with things like, you know, strategy, choosing tires, who's going to go in the car first, that sort of thing? Is that is that all your role or is that delegated down among the teams? I mean, it's uh, it's depend of the race and on the of the championship um, because you, most of the time, so. When I joined Race Clutch, I was managing all the poles and all the division, uh, except WRC because the WRC was already like a, an old one, so they were used to that. But uh, yeah, I was managing managing racing, Carfaxel too. I was trying Contourismo as well. So, and straight away I was like, no, it's not gonna work. Obviously, like if you want to do a good job, I mean, I can do huh, every managing every ta- every pole and all every division. But I, on my side, my mindset is more like. I want to do the things, but I want to do it like in the best possible way. Uh, I just don't want to do something just to do it. <laughs> so basically, I just started to uh, recruit um, coach. I mean, coach, manager, it depends, for the division. Uh, and then I can delegate a bit the, all the operational stuff. So that means trying to um, prepare the schedule and everything, even if I'm still ep- helping them on that side, giving my input because I have... Uh, Without being arrogant, I have the experience on, on, on that uh, and I know how the drivers are working. But it depends on the competition. If I'm taking the F1 eSport with Alpine, um, I'm really, really involved on the operational side uh, because um, we have definitely target to reach for a partner. Um, and uh, and yeah, I have people to delegate the, the work uh, because we have Kevin as an engineer, we have Adam as a coach, so he's more. they are more on the operational side, you know, analyzing the telemetry, analyzing the lap, uh, but I will still be there behind them to make sure that the work is done. And also that, uh, I don't know if you can have an ID or something following the, the prep and etc. Um, and for example, on iRacing, I'm probably a bit less present because also we are restricting, restructurating everything. We are building a new project. Uh, so I'm less present and I'm letting the, the, the manager and the coach uh, doing everything, even if I'm still talking to my drivers, but also to my coach to make sure that everything is okay and we're going into the right direction altogether. Right, and your F1 team, would you say that is the focus? Because they're, they're all full-time, right? Yeah, exactly, yeah. So I think it's it's probably only in the last few years that we've had all these full-time teams popping up before. I think it was it, sim racing was kind of too niche before to have people on a full-time salary doing esports teams there's the odd one or two right but obviously your partnership with alpine uh, presumably a big factor in in making that possible uh, to allow you to have a a full team is that the same with wrc and gran turismo iRacing and r factor 2 are they full-time or are they part-time it it depends of the time of the of the game as well like on wrc there is not like full-time because i mean when you want to be full-time you have to uh you have to got a business model, you know, behind that. Uh, it's possible on F1 eSport because thanks to F1, there is big big cash price, there is F1 team involved. Uh, so we can definitely pay full-time the drivers. 
but it's kind of different for the for the other categories. Like if you're taking the example of WRC, at the end, driver can win a car for sure. I mean, it was the case last year. Like the winner is winning a, a Hyundai car or a Toyota, depending on the, of the partners for the season. But there is um, some difficulties, but it's always our goal in race clutch. Like um, I know it's taking some time, a bit of time from the, pers- the driver's perspective, but uh, that's always what I'm saying to them. Like, trust us, we are trying to doing stuff really professional. So of course it's taking time, but try to see in a long-term way than in a short-term way. Because that's always, and I'm not going to say always because everyone's going to shout on me, but <laughs> like <laughs> 90% of the case and 90% of the driver are thinking like in a short-term way yeah. where I want to be and how, why, uh, how much money I need. It's kind of understandable, to be honest, but think about like long-term project, what the team can propose you and everything in a long-term way. And because at the moment, yeah, you probably start joining a team, they can win money straight away. But what the team is proposing them for one, two, three, four years, it can be like um, something to make a decision on their side. So it depends on the category for the for the full-time job. So how do you find it managing these drivers, especially the ones that are remote? Uh, uh, what, are the, what are the challenges? Um, I would say that sometimes... And and <laughs> I saw to my to my F1 sport driver, but <laughs> they're not gonna like me like me if I'm saying that. But sometimes they can be a bit, uh, uh, let's say oh, I'm gonna say it. That sometimes they can be a bit lazy, but that's normal because they have drivers. So sometimes they uh, they they want to do a bit less. So I need to push them to make sure that the job is doing is doing good. Uh, but in answer to that. I want them to push me uh, on the managing side. That means that when I'm going to make a call with them to ask them to do something better or in another way, then uh, I would always ask them to tell me what is going wrong, what is going good, then to try to improve myself on the management side and what we can do better for the team because that's something really important because I can always like try to say to my driver, okay, no, I'm not listening to you, you are doing that. It will never, it will never perform. Um, if I need, uh, uh, I need to help him on that. Uh, he need to help me as well on the management side and try to, yeah, just trying to help uh, to help me on the improving myself. Myself. Yeah, and, and I mean it's it's crazy how competitive the F one esports, especially, has got um, over the last couple of years since COVID, like the, the measures that the teams are going to, to make sure that they retain the competitive advantage are just insane. Like if you're not in this world and, you know, I, I remember, um, thinking back to the, the Guillaume episode, uh, at the yeah. Alpine factory. And he was telling me about the, like the training regimes that the drivers go through. And he was, he was saying about the partnership with Ben Q and he was saying about the, that the, the, the glasses, for day and night driving that they were developing to, to help the to help with fatigue in that uh, like on the driver's eyes, absolutely baffling. So talk us through a day at race clutch, right? So your drivers arrive for their their day of work. What happens? What's what's an average day? I mean, it's kind of just to put a context on it. It's kind of different this year. Last year, driver were uh, in Limoges, so in France, where we have our HQ. Um, this year it's kind of different. We want to do it uh, in another way, like they are doing from their home, uh, because we do think that it's better for their mind. Because last year they 
came in Limoges, but obviously you are far from your family, your friend, and you, it's difficult to disconnect from the F1 esport world when you are in the city that you don't know for six months without your family, without friend, everything. So uh, we took this decision, but for a, a typical day, like they are coming on the on the morning and target will depend, but uh, basically for the F1 esport game, um, and it's really like driving and driving and driving, try to understand the game. Once you understand the game, then you can make the, the next step and try to um, do strategy, anticipate. It's just about all about anticipation and, and try to yeah get the, the best pace, the best pace possible. And is it quite structured? Do you have like a, you know, you've got the next race coming up, so you're going to do, I don't know, race starts, you're going to practice pit stops, uh, and then we're going to do a stint on the hards to get some data, and then on the mediums to get some data. Like, is it is it quite structured, or, is, or do the drivers just kind of you know, arrive, get better, go home. No, no, not at all. It's really, really, really structured on our side. I mean, it's our way of work, and maybe the other are working in a different way, but um, we're asking them to do quali, but then once they get the quali pace, then they can switch to race, basically. Um, and then in race, we are asking exactly what uh, people are asking in real life. So, yeah, we need data on the tires, we need data on the lap time, we need data on the DRS train and all the stuff, the ERS that we are recharging, the pit stop, uh, the pit stop time, etc. Like we are, we need plenty of data, and thanks to that, we can anticipate a lot of situation uh, into the race. We we look like a real F1 team. It's just that we are doing that on the game. Yeah, I've kind of had an insight into this uh, since about a month ago when I went to the F1 factory and and I was talking to again. I keep mentioning Guillaume because obviously Guillaume <laughs> is how is how we met. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, the, the, the lengths that they go to. So I was lucky enough to get a tour around the F1 factory and they showed me the ops room. So during the race, they had those rows and rows of desks with multiple screens and then a big screen up front where they're kind of thinking strategy. Do they use that room for esports? Do we, do you know, how, how many people do you have behind the scenes on an esports team, like live during the race? And what does that structure look like? Um, I think the, so... No, we're not using the the board and the <laughs> the PC at Enstone because not we're yet. not racing from Enstone. But uh, we are using some stuff. Um, so in the team, we have so the three drivers. Uh, we have um, Kevin, who is uh, doing the engineering side. Uh, we have also Adam, who is the coach. Um, I have on my side. I'm on my side the race director, and we have also Richard, who is the team principal. So he's also the CEO of Race Coach. Um, so that's those six people working all together to try to. Uh, have the best of course we can still try to improve all the process but there is also like the alpine f1 team helping us like you were mentioning guillaume guillaume is also helping us matthew as well who is working with uh, with guillaume and there is a plenty of people who are working on backstage um, that we don't know and they they are helping us there is also the partner with us who are involved like uh, basically a bank you are providing us um the the screen track racer with the rig and all the other partners like um, it's not because we are not seeing it. You are not seeing people that they are not working in the project. Like we are trying to um, to do something really professional. And I think like helping esports and race Crutch got the same mindset. Um, all the things that we are doing, we are we want to do it in a professional way. We want to really um, extract the best from everyone. Uh, and yeah, at the end, we have the same goal. We just want to reach the the top and to win the championship. So. And the great thing is this can only be good news for sim racing generally. The amount of effort and time and resource that's being put into to sim racing um, 
is kind of a testament to how quickly this is growing, right? Um, one thing that stood out to me when I was at the Endstone factory was something that was said about how sim racing is actually helping the real world drivers. And Jeddah was mentioned that Jeddah could be driven on the sim before it could be driven in real life. So the esports drivers were feeding back information about the track to the real world drivers and the engineers about how it feels and, and you know, things like which gears, which corners are in. Like, how, were you part of that process? Yeah. The, is that Guillaume who's that telling you? Yes. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, they they sent us um, uh, an email uh, on the on the sports side, and yeah, we had access on Jeddah on the F1 2021 game, and we had also access to uh, I think it was Los so Qatar mm -hmm. um, was run uh, on uh, another game. I think it was Assetto Corsa, and we tried it. So yeah, they had like um, a table, and they were asking for feedback and giving a note out of ten on the low speed corner. How is it? Can you write on 10, uh, how is it easy to overtake, uh, ERS management, those kind of stuff. It's really like useful for them because track was never used in the past in F1. So that was some thing really useful for them. And yeah, we were in part of the process. I mean, that's so cool. And it's so inspiring for people who, who are kind of really devoted to sim racing. Because of course you've heard about the F1 teams will have simulators in their factory and you'll have sim drivers uh, who, who will work for you know, Mercedes or Red Bull or McLaren and they'll, and they'll do laps in the simulator and then feedback information. But it's kind of cool that now that esports drivers are getting involved in that process, albeit not in the simulator, not in the, you know, the, 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 their kind of mock-up of their, of their real car, but generally for the tracks. That's, that's kind of inspiring. Yeah, and the fact is that... Um they have normally drivers who are working in the sim at the factory, uh, but sometimes you are in a short period of time and you need like to have something already created. So basically what you were talking about, the community on the Corsa and the factor and everything, track are already created because they are used on other categories. And then on the, on the simulator that they have at the factory, they cannot run it because they never use it and they never done some data they never get data on the track so they cannot replicate it on the on their game um i mean on their, on their software not their game but um and on our side we we got all the mods that have been created of course it's not like 100 relevant but it's more about um, they are not asking for curbs or you know bump on the on the track but it's more like a global view about how is it to overtake how is it to yes yeah, spend ERS, maybe is it difficult to overtake yeah i mean it's kind of really exciting for us to be part also of the development of the F1 team. So, You can see the natural overlap here between sim racing and real racing. You can see how it was kind of inevitable that sim racers were going to start moving across to motorsport. Um, but it's interesting, I think it was Danny Gusa of Kavana Gaming, I asked him this question, I said, do you get the feeling that a lot of your sim racers are seeing sim racing as a springboard into real-world motorsport? And he actually didn't think so. He said that a lot of sim racers like sim racing because they like yeah. sim racing and they want to get to the top of sim racing. It, it's not assumed that, you know, if you get good at sim racing, then it's because you must want to go into to motorsport. Yeah, because for, for me, like, at least on my side, I don't know about, I will ask my driver just to know. <laughs> but <laughs> I, I, do, I do think that sim racing is a category apart. Like, yeah, if you want that, 
can maybe help, but I think a lot of drivers are just only focusing on sim racing because they like sim racing and they don't want to do like real racing because it's going to be expensive, definitely. I have an example, like in real life, in motorsport, drivers are paying to be involved in a team, basically. In F1, and I mean in sim racing, teams are paying drivers to be part of their. So why drive, why e-sport drivers would like to go in real life when they need to pay, when now the they team are paying for them and they are liking their job. Um, and yeah, I think it's just that the sim racing is growing a lot um, and they, um, they don't want to do something else. Like they are really liking and yeah, they're just enjoying it. Well, it's good to hear that they're enjoying um being a sim racer because it's it's probably something that when they were growing up they had no idea that that was even a possibility i think you know i'm 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 30 on monday um just to show my age but oh. when i was at school when i was when i was growing up i remember thinking about esports and gaming and thinking it thinking about it very much as a hobby it was never something that i would have even considered could be a career and if i'd been forced to answer the question when I was 13, 14, like, is esports going to become a big thing where you can have a career in it? I would probably have been like, no, I don't think so. You know, because PlayStation 2 was just being phased out. PlayStation 3 was coming in. But, you know, it was all all just for a bit of fun. I would never have imagined. So I imagine these 18, 19-year-old kids who are coming through, they would have been at that phase where esports is now transitioning into an industry as opposed to like a bit of a, a, bit of a sideline thing. But I mean, more than esports, especially talking about sim racing, because I do think that esports and sim racing, okay, sim racing is just under esports, but sim racing is really a part because you have all the esports side with um, League of Legends and FIFA and all these games who are really like enjoyable and not to criticizing them at all. It's just that sim racing is giving an experience really different because you are feeling the, the physical effect because you are in a simulator, you are spending time on it, and you are um, sweating a lot, <laughs> not gonna lie, like after maybe 10 or 15 minutes, if someone is not used to that, he's gonna sweat for sure. Um, and yeah, there is this dimension of um, physical dimension that is uh, in addition to that. And in sim racing, you have like a, a real world because all the software, all the hardware stuff used in sim racing cannot be used some, somewhere else. Like in League of Legends, you're going to try maybe to have the best keyboard or the best mouse just to have the best performance possible, but you can use it as well on Counter-Strike, Global Offensive, or those games. But in sim racing, it's a rig, it's a wheel, and you can use it only in sim racing. You're not going to use your wheel <laughs> into your Counter-Strike or FIFA <laughs> or League of Legends or those kind of stuff. That, so I mean, that sounds like some content that some streamer is probably going to do, <laughs> okay, using their wheel for League ideas. of Legends. <laughs> <laughs> No, no, but I, I mean, it's really something apart, I believe, sim racing and it's growing up and everyone is growing up. It's not only like the competition itself. Huh? I'm more talking about um, the equipment, uh, the software, uh, the game itself. Every, everyone is growing up. Um, some, some of people are growing up quickly. I mean, quicker than the others, but uh, obviously everyone is growing up and trying to reach, yeah, just to be the, the main reference in esports, I believe. And do you think this immersion this kind of sense of it's you know a, a genuine recreation of reality because you're, you're you know you're sat in the seats and you're you're pushing quite hard against the wheel and you've got 120 kilos on the brake 
pedal. So, you know, it, it is a genuinely immersive experience when you're the one driving. But do you think that excitement is translated well enough for viewership? Because, of course, League of, Le- League of Legends, it's not, it's not realistic, right? Because you're not actually running around and shooting. And, <laughs> and, and I, I'm, about to, I'm about to reveal the fact that I don't know a huge amount about League of, Le- League of Legends, but you Say do magic Norris. and stuff, right? <laughs> um, but obviously, you can't. That isn't a recreation of reality. But it gets millions and millions of viewers. Yeah. So maybe it's because it's not reality that people like to escape in it, whereas sim racing tries to be the exact opposite which is as close to real life as possible. Do you think? Do you think that's translated well for viewers? Um, I mean, yes and no. I, I kind of agree with your point. Like uh, sim racing trying to be too realistic, and then uh, people are a bit scared about that, and people prefer maybe something that they don't they don't see like in real life. Um, I mean, in the aspect like they are, it's driving cars, so basically it's the same as really as reality. Sure. Uh, but we have plenty of competition who are uh, doing something different than reality. Like I'm thinking about the V10 All League, for example. Yes. Uh, who yeah, are yeah. doing like a huge competition, and it's pretty different than the than the reality. The F1 Sport as well is n- we are not running 100% race. Like we are not doing one hour and a half uh, race. Um, people are trying to maybe create like content, entertainment about that. But I do think as well that why sim racing is not watched as League of Legends or Call of Duty of all of this game is because I think sim racing is like maybe five or six years late compared to League of Legends and those kind of games. I think like in, yeah, maybe five or six years we will see really a big, big crop in the in the sim racing um, because obviously the COVID helped mm-hmm. a lot the sim racing because every motorsport was stopped but we had the chance to have all the professional and real driver uh, trying to get in the sim with the Le Mans Virtual series, uh, Le Mans Virtual in 2020. Uh, and it helped us, but now we are in a position that, okay, we need to go back in LAN or those kind of events to make huge thing with audience and just to grow up to reach the level of League of Legends and Call of Duty and of uh, all this game. Yeah, I completely agree. And I think, you know, the the likes of Assetto Corsa, two or the second set of course so they haven't confirmed it's called ac2 but ac uh, the second ac and uh ren sport etc I, th- I think with the with the arrivals of those titles i think in uh, in a couple of years time we might be seeing those sort of stadium level esports tournaments I th- and, I, and yeah and i think that's kind of what a lot of people are gearing up for i almost feel like we're in this warm-up phase where everyone's almost positioning themselves be them a team or a platform or a game or whatever it is everyone is kind of getting ready for the second wave of of sim racing if you like yeah and and the thing is that with sim racing not gonna lie like you you just told it but before you don't know a lot about league of legends because it's a bit tricky to understand not gonna lie yeah need to spend a bit of time on it sim racing and racing is the easiest thing on earth to understand <laughs> yeah, like it's just yeah. car driving on a track and yeah. trying to finish first so <laughs> everyone can just be interested by that i remember that during the f1 sport last year we made in our hq uh, a watch party so we invented uh, people so we had like 100 people on site with us oh wow even like people were not like usually watching esports because um normally it's young audience not gonna lie but we had some people who are yeah, 30, 40 years old, and they were interested by that. 
because there is like a, an event, there is audience, there is something, and maybe by just having a good show, one people is going to come, he's going to say, that's good, that's good to see that, and it's interesting, it's just that people need to make the step to, okay, I'm going to try, and then they're trying, and it's good, but yeah, we need to maybe improve on that and give a, give a better experience, um, I mean, not user experience, but viewer experience yeah. uh, on that. Yeah, I completely agree. And and what always gets me is the production value of some of the really small community level leagues. Like, so I'm talking about leagues with say two or three hundred people in the max. You watch that. In fact, I'm going to um, name one that I was I was watching this morning. Um, is a, a new league. Um, I've been chatting to one of the league owners. They're putting themselves on Gridfinder, and it's called Swift X. And they sent me a link to their YouTube channel. Um, and they said, have a look at it. This is our first stream. And I looked at it and they had these credits at the beginning. So they had like, um, it wasn't obviously the F1 music, I think copyright strikes, but they had their own kind of music in the background. And then they had all of these graphics with like cars going past and then like yeah. the flags and the names of the drivers, which were just like usernames, right? Kind of like rotating around, but then another car and then another cut scene. And then and it was just incredible. And then, you know, you get the the helicopter shot of the track that they were just about to go on. And there's the commentator is like, welcome to, to Albert Park in Melbourne. The track is 2.7 miles long and there's seven corners, eight to the right, six to the left or whatever it is. You know, all of those facts are probably wrong. But you get my point, right? They, <laughs> they go into huge details and the production value is incredible. And it had like, I don't know, 300 views. Yeah, but they but do it we're because com- they love it. Yeah, we're, we're coming at the same point every time. It's just a community. They're living for the passion. They're doing mod, but they're doing also content, production, everything. And it looks like crazy because people are just spending their free time on doing that. And it's look good. Just just like that, it's looking good. Yeah, it's insane. Okay, so um, there is... Uh, uh, so I've got my show notes up. I always have my show notes up. And there's something that's been staring me in the face um, the whole show that I'm really keen to ask because I have absolutely no idea what it means. What is codename 4756? Okay, sorry, but I'm I'm gonna disappoint you. But <laughs> listen to me, I have no idea. <laughs> you know why? It's because so to explain to the people who are listening to us. Um, so basically, in the past, we have road to 2020, which like a project for us. Uh, we reached the, the 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 target and the and the project because the goal was to make us professional in 2020. We launched the company in 2020, so target was good. And, and the four seven five six code. Uh, it's a project of Racecratch, but at the moment I don't know, like because the Easter, the Easter egg is like Richard, so the CEO of Racecratch is the only one to know the signification of this code and what does that mean. But uh, the only thing, and I'm gonna give you a clue for for you who are listening to us and also for you, Tom, uh, it's a long term project, like something in ten or fifteen years. That's oh. what Richard told me. It's the only thing that I know. And that referred to me. <laughs> that <laughs> I is really interesting more. and mysterious. And I kind of love that Richard has come up with this idea that, that the company is heading towards codename 4756, but nobody in the company knows what it is. Presumably, <laughs> it would just be kind of drip fed to you. And then eventually, in 15 years' time, some big thing will happen. He'll be like, well, this was 4756. Four, yeah, that's like, crazy. Oh, okay. <laughs> no, no, but yeah, Richard's liked a lot of the history eggs and all this stuff. So do not be surprised about that. <laughs> So, I mean, this, it, Richard sounds like an interesting guy. Tell us about him. How did he start race, race Clutch? What's his story? Uh, but his story was like, so he started as an association in 2013. 
just to make like you know league like you were, we were talking about that he was doing that uh, so it was the real championship he was doing a French league on Xbox um, and yeah he just tried to it was interesting in sim racing um, uh, as m- like me um, he was a driver as well um, and then he would just made step by step you know and to give you like a little uh, funny uh, anecdote um, the first time that I met Richard is not in 2017 when I contacted him it's in 2014 because I was managing as well a league on F1 2014 <laughs> and he contacted me to cr- to make like a French cup a French national cup nice and I just I just said no but <laughs> <laughs> but I, I have an excuse I was I was like 16 years old and I was like I don't know what he's going to do so just no I don't want to have responsibility on that uh, but yeah he just made it step by step um, and then he launched his um, sim racing team you know uh, on a factor two on different games it was really to give you also an explanation of Richard is walking 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 and sometimes he's sleeping but not that, not that <laughs> much mainly working <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> now but Richard is walking a lot and uh, his main goal like for a few years now was to um, get us professional to make us professional uh, he reached that goal uh, and now we're just uh, trying to make it step by step uh, we already uh, like uh, did a, a good a good first step with the, the partnership with Alpine and uh, we're looking forward and to still continue to work with Alpine on different projects so how did that start how did that come about um i mean it's it's Richard again obviously <laughs> working working <laughs> was, working yeah exactly no but the the partnership with Alpine just started like um i think it was con- in contact with Guillaume um in 2020 um, and uh, he has been contacted to be the, the coach of the of the Renault Team Vitality in the past. Um, and then in 2020, at the end of the season, um, uh, Alpine just took the decision to end the collaboration with Vitality. Um, and then we just um, um, had a call with Guillaume, trying to see what could be possible and everything. And yeah, I think it was like normal for us with all the things that Richard made with Guillaume on the Renault and Alpine side it looks like it was the perfect timing because it was the new brand of Renault becoming Alpine then having a new partner on the esports side and just trying new stuff and trying to build a a new interesting and exciting project so what's next what have you got coming up this year what are you what's your highlights Whoa, <laughs> tough, <laughs> tough question. No, but uh, I mean, it depends on the game. Like for me, I'm still focused on uh, having the best uh, driver possible. Um, I have kind of a uh, uh, surprise for the next few weeks on Air Factor 2. Uh, we oh. have just announced uh, a new coach for it. So we're coming back on Air Factor 2, something that we missed in the last few years. Um, we're still on the F1 side as well with Alpine. Uh, hope it's going to be a, a good season with our, with our driver, Patrick, Samuel and Philippe. Uh, and uh, obviously for WRC we're still in a good position because we just uh, uh, won an, uh, another uh, team title so we're pretty happy about our WRC team um, and uh, I think that's pretty old but that's already that good <laughs> that, that, that's <laughs> enough to keep you busy right? yeah exactly No, but there is also the iRacing division that I'm trying to build, rebuild again uh, because um, last year the, all our iRacing squad went to uh, a factor 2 to make the Le Mans Virtual Series uh, and then we have like some people left the team because they were not like really interested by a factor two uh, and we were not anymore in iRacing. So I'm almost starting from scratch uh, from January this year. So I think in eight months I made something correct, but I still want to 
improve everything and recruit people and try to get the best management uh, possible. Nice. And are you racing at uh, Sim Racing Expo? Uh, probably. I still don't know, but oh. maybe. Yeah. Okay. Is it, so are you trying to qualify for it or are you trying to get one of no, the, the 40 spots? We had some discussion, but at the moment, it's, uh, it depends on our availability during the Sim Racing Expo. That's the main thing. Uh, so I'm not that sure to be honest. That's why I said probably, but to be honest, I don't want to make promise. No. So <laughs> we will see. Okay, well, if you're there, we'll see you on the track. We've got the Gridfinder team racing uh, racing at the nice. Expo, and they can't wait. I can't wait to go. It's going to be awesome. Robin, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. It was really good to get an insight into how you got into sim racing, how you work full-time in sim racing, because I think that's still something that a lot of sim racers at the moment are, are desperately trying to work out. How can I do this as a job? It's awesome. Um, and it was great to get an insight into what Race Clutch does generally. So thank you very much for your time. Thank you for your time and thank you for the invitation. Anytime. Cheers. Bye. Cheers. Hey, this is Chris from Gridfinder. Thanks for listening to the Sim Sundays podcast. Head on over to gridfinder.com to find your spot on the grid and join sim racing leagues for all your favorite games. Just enter your preferred game, car of choice, then let us know if you'd like to race PC, Xbox, or PlayStation, and we'll give you a list of actively recruiting leagues for you to join. And if you're a league owner, post your league on Gridfinder so that you run with a full grid for every race. If you're looking to upgrade your sim rig, visit the episode sponsor TrackRacer at trackracer.com. Thanks for being here.